This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to it about uh, five minutes after four here on a uh, Sunday. Welcome and uh, glad you're joining us. Anytime you'd like to call in, it is a live call-in show and the phone lines are open. So there you go, 604-280-9898. You have questions about uh, employment, being an employer or an employee. It doesn't matter. Bring it on. Maybe you're going to back to work after a, a temporary layoff from COVID-19 or you still haven't been called back or you're scared about going back. Whatever, give us a call. Get some quick answers here. Get down the uh, the right path. Anyway, 604-280-9898. That and the email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And in between all that, we will get to the topic of, sorry, you're not actually an independent contractor. And a lot of this uh, may come as a surprise to you. If you think you are, you may not be. So you'll want to tune in for the entire show for that. But uh, we are ready to go if you are ready to go. So again, 604-280-9898. Lines are open and we're ready to rock and or roll. Lior, how are you, pal? <laughs> Definitely and or. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, We can't commit to rocking and rolling, but we will try. <laughs> uh, happy, to be, happy to be here. Happy to be talking about employment law. It's It's been a, certainly a busy uh, few months and certainly a busy week for me in my office. We've spoken, myself and my colleagues, a lot of people about their workplace issues, about their workplace problems, provide advice, guidance, hopefully some comfort as well. You know, it's not just about telling you what to do. It's, it's giving you some comfort to know that there's rights, there's options. You've heard me say before that employment laws have not been suspended. Employment laws are not in isolation, okay? We may be, but employment laws are not. They're still there. They're still working hard for all of us. So if you want to know what your rights are on your job, with your workplace, with your employer, call us right now. Take advantage of the fact that we're here till 5 o'clock to answer your questions. We want to answer them. We want to help. So by all means, there's no bad questions. And if you're kind of a bit bashful, you don't want to call in this evening, no problem. Call me at the office or email me at the office. We'll talk privately and we'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But to get us started, let me tell you about uh, some uh, things that came across my desk uh, just this week. I spoke with uh, an individual who uh, had called me beginning of the week because his employer uh, contacted him and said, well, we want to extend your temporary layoff. He'd been on a temporary layoff since March, and his employer said, we don't think we'll be able to call you back before uh, August at the earliest, so we want you to sign this document saying that you're okay that we lay you off uh, until August. Uh, so he asked them the right question, which is, well, wait a second, what what happens if I don't sign? The employer, and this is where you, I shake my head, says, well, if you don't sign, you've resigned. You, you're mm. saying you don't want to work here. Uh, and that's when he did the right thing, and he picked up the phone and he called me. So let's break this down. Let's start off by the fact that the, the layoff to begin with was a termination of employment. He could have already treated the layoff as a termination back in March when he was laid off. His employer does not have a right to extend it. Now, he decided to accept it back in March and not, not treat it as a termination. So his employer can only lay him off to a maximum of 16 weeks. They cannot extend it till August. It's a termination. He cannot be made to. He cannot be told to. It's not a resignation. It's a termination. His employer doesn't call him back to work. They have to pay him his full severance. I understand that they're trying to avoid that. 
it doesn't work that way. And that's an important reminder for everyone. Number one, you can always treat your temporary layoff as a termination and get severance. But even if you don't do that, even if you want to give the company the chance to call you back, which which makes sense, if your layoff is extended longer than it should have, it becomes automatically a termination. Your employer has to pay your severance. They can't avoid it. They can't put pressure on you. They can't tell you that you've resigned. It doesn't work that way. It's illegal to do it that way. So if you're not called back to work, you have to get paid your severance, and your employer can't string you along indefinitely. And that number, as mentioned, you want to reach out after the show uh, to Lior. You know the email address I already gave it, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But the number six zero four. 283-3123 is the way to go. You can always use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. But uh, the lines are open till just before 5 o'clock for you to call in the show this afternoon, 604-280-9898. Uh, what else you got going on? spoke with a gentleman who had started working for his employer in January, right after the holidays. He had been recruited from another company. Uh, he had been recruited through a headhunter. He wasn't looking to leave, but the recruiter came over or, or contacted him and you know they made him some some nice big promises they offered him more money and eventually yeah, he agreed to leave his employment employment where he had been for about seven years and join this employer in january well okay things are going okay for a couple months and then of course COVID hits uh, yeah. in, Mar- in march and in april the company says sorry uh you know COVID 19 not your fault you're a good guy but we gotta let you go uh, and, you know, I guess understandable, you know, that's not the company's fault, of course. And they say, here's your two weeks pay. You know, you've only been with us about three months. We're going to be nice to you. So we're going to give you a whole two weeks pay after three months of employment. So he contacted me. I actually resolved this matter this week. He contacted me back then and he wanted to know what are my rights? So here's the thing, John. He was recruited from another job. When you're recruited from another job and then are let go shortly thereafter, then you're now getting enhanced severance. You're essentially, your severance has to recognize the time you had with the previous employer. Recall this inducement. You were induced to leave a job. Because of that, you're going to get more severance. So even though he only worked for his employer for about three months or so, the law says now he should be getting severance like a seven-year employee. Wow. he had seven years with the previous yeah. company. For him, that meant about six months' pay. Six months' pay. So forget about two weeks' pay. Now, he only worked for three months. He still owed six months' pay. We actually resolved it this week. We got him a six months' pay, and, and, and he's extremely happy. I wanted to remind everyone, this is nothing to do with COVID necessarily, but if you're recruited from another job, and then you're let go in the first couple of years, you're going to be owed enhanced severance. That's just another reason from a long list of reasons as Mm -hmm. to why it's so, so important to get advice if you lose your job because you don't know how the law may apply to you and how it may provide you additional entitlements. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting because it just goes to show that, as you often say in the show, that short-term employees are often uh, taken care of disproportionately better than lawn service. And most people, you think, you know, three months employment, six months severance, he doubled the amount of time he was there in severance pay. Most people, if you were to go out in the street now of Vancouver and ask ninety-nine people, you know, <laughs> is there for three months? He got two weeks severance. What do you think? Ninety-eight of them would say that sounds pretty sweet for just three months. They were nice to him. The ninety-ninth person would say, I have no idea. But there you go. It just goes. <laughs> to show you right that yeah. it's like no they're not even close it's incredible the number's incredible 
it is, and it's not complicated, and it's not rock and sign, it's not a loophole, you know what I mean? It's the right. way the law operates. So yeah. I hope that by us having this forum here, we can advise and inform people how the law works and their rights. You really have to get that advice, especially now. It's going to take you longer now to find another job. So if you do lose your job, you have to make sure your severance is appropriate and fair because you need that cushion while you look for other work. It's simple just to make a phone call this afternoon to 604-280-9898. Do it. Pick up a phone. Just ask a question. There's no dumb questions. Trust me, when it comes to your job and your employment, the place where you spend most of your life, it's good to have all your, your ducks in a row and indeed. But uh, the topic of, sorry, you're not actually an independent contractor. We will get into this. Does it really matter if you're an employee or an independent contractor? That is a question we always get. We do, and, and it matters so, so much. It matters, yeah. first of all, because if you're misclassified, the CRA may knock on the door one day and say, wait a second, you've been paying your taxes like a contractor, but you're really an employee, so uh, guess what? You owe us money. There's going to be fines and penalties. Right there, it matters. But the other thing is this. If you are in the eyes of the law an employee, and we're going to talk exactly as to when that happens, you're owed things that a contractor is not owed. For example, vacation pay and overtime pay and statutory holiday pay and, of course, severance pay. So all these entitlements you are owed if you are really an employee. Contractors don't get that. So we want to talk in, in this next couple of segments as to who is an employee, who is a contractor, and guess what? If you believe you're a contractor, I'm, I'm going to have some, uh, some surprises for you. You're probably not. You're probably an employee. And we're going to get through that list, but as always, our phone calls are top priority. 604-280-9898 is the way to, uh, to make that happen. Paul, thank you for uh, taking some time this afternoon. How are you? Hey, good. No problem. Thank you. You bet. What's up? Uh, so just this, this question relates to the, uh, the previous question that you just answered. So I'm, I work Great. for a recruitment firm. Uh, we helped a guy find a new job. We recruited him from a role that he had for about seven to eight years, I guess. Um, but his offer was rescinded before he was in a position to start. So just kind of curious if he has any legal rights as far as um, the company who offered him the job, if they have to potentially pay him seven. He never officially started, but the offer mm -hmm. was rescinded before he could get going. Did he actually quit the job that he was at uh, because he thought that this job is coming? Yes. So yeah, potentially yes. Uh, if he, in fact he quit that job, if he hadn't quit the job but he hadn't lost anything, then no big deal. But because he quit the job in reliance of, on the fact that he would have this job offer, yeah, if he chooses to pursue it, yeah, he may well be owed severance. And after all these years, it, it, it's certainly going to be measured in months, not days or weeks. So Paul, that's a very good question. Because he quit his job, and I've done many cases like this when someone hasn't even worked a single day, their job offer got rescinded for whatever reason. Yeah, they're owed severance. So this guy, um, this guy is being kind of strung along a bit by the new company. They keep telling him that if things turn around, they might be in a position to reoffer him the job. So he's trying to weigh the potential future benefit versus like the ability to earn right. some income now. Um, so he's a little bit torn. Yeah, and I understand that for sure. That's a personal decision. You know, if you want to connect him with me, maybe he and I can have a chat and I can explain to him more, but just about what his rights and options are so that he can make a decision with all the information in front of him. Okay, cool. I think I'll do that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Uh, thank you, Paul. Appreciate the uh, remainder of your Sunday and a uh, wise move calling in for sure. You want to call in as well, 604-280-9898. See how quick that was? It's like ripping off a Band-Aid. Real simple. 
Yeah, an opinion or a question, bring it on. Don't be bashful. 604-280-9898. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can always use for more information when we're not on the air here on a Sunday afternoon, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But back to our topic at hand, and that is, sorry, you're not actually an independent contractor. So let's clear it up. What exactly is an independent contractor? So this is important. And as I said, most people are, in fact, misclassified. I've been doing this for, gosh, 18 years now, and literally thousands of people over that period of time that I've spoken with have been misclassified as independent contractors when they really are employees. So you're right. The, the, the first logical question is, let's kind of define what an independent contractor is. An independent contractor is someone that has their own business, that's someone that's in business for themselves. But they actually have to have their own business. It's not just on paper. In reality, meaning they have various customers. They're trying to get more customers. They're, they're, they manage their own time. They manage their own expenses. You know, they're not someone that they're beholden financially to any one person. You're, 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 you know, doctors, you're plumbers, you're electricians. Just as some examples, those are of uh, independent contractors. So if I call uh, a plumber to my house to fix a leak, the plumber comes and he goes and you know maybe I need the plumber five, six times. But if, if at some point I decide to call a different plumber, I don't have to pay the plumber severance, right? Because the plumber is not okay. my employee. So the plumber is in business for themselves and if I'm no longer a customer, they're gonna find someone else. So that is an independent contractor. An employee, of course, is something different. An employee is someone that has a steady job. They go to work. They do their work. They come home. Then they come back the next day. They work usually for one company. Not necessarily, but usually they take directions from the company. The company you know, pays for their expenses and tells them what to do and where to go. That is what an employee is. So you always have to keep in mind, are you really a business owner? Do you have customers? Are you trying to get customers? Are you marketing? Do you have a website? You know, think, ask yourselves those questions. Because if you're not really in business for, for yourself, you're not an independent contractor, meaning you're an employee. Questions about this and anything uh, surrounding employment? Bring it on. That's why we're here. 604-280-9898 is the number to call through. Um, what if you don't meet the criteria? Close, but maybe not. Can you still be an independent contractor? No, you can't. And it's as simple as that. You, you, you either meet the criteria of an independent contractor or you're not. There's really nothing, you know, it's like, well, you know, I, I, I kind of am, but I said that I am. No, it doesn't matter. You either meet the criteria, you're in the business for yourselves, or you are an employee. So, and that, that's really what's key here. A lot of people think, well, I, I wrote something down saying I'm an independent contractor. I'm paying my taxes like an independent contractor. That may make me an independent contractor. It doesn't. You actually have to be in business for yourself. You actually have to have that, that flexibility of an independent contractor, that control that an independent contractor has. An employee doesn't have a ton of flexibility and a ton of control because they have a boss. They have an employer that tells them what to do. So their flexibility is limited. An independent contractor doesn't have a boss. So you ask yourself, by the way, do I have a boss? If you have a boss, you're not an independent contractor. Okay, uh, you know I, I I see that all the time. If you have a boss, you're reporting to someone. You're an employee. It is six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight to make that call. Benny, thanks for hanging on. Good afternoon. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. Um, the government announced what four months ago, uh, or that CERB would last four months. So, is June's payment the last payment? 
and I have another question. What's going to happen after that? I guess nobody knows. Mm. So, Benny, it obviously depends when you start getting it. If you started getting it in March, you know, you were kind of in that first wave, then, yes, your payments will end, uh, yes, in June. So, from June to April. So, there's March to April, April to May, May to June, and June to July. Now, obviously, if you started in June uh, or in May, then it's four months from that point of time, uh, point in time. So, it is four months, uh, and the government, could they extend it? I guess it's possible. I don't think that they will. Uh, but uh, that's certainly up to the government. Okay, and another question is, the government has set up a snitch line for people that are fraudulently taking CERB uh, payments mm. with, without justification. Now, I know that they can get it back by GST payments, they can get it back by other you know uh, other uh, benefits you get but what are, what's the harsh way could they go right into your bank account and take the money out could they seize your assets uh, what do you think the harsh penalties could be uh it's cra C cra could do that and more so yes yeah, cra could do Pretty much anything in that respect. Uh, yeah, they can seize assets. Uh, they can uh, they can impose fines and penalties. They can even go into bank accounts. So yes, that is always a risk if you're getting CRB or really any monies that you're not supposed to get. Uh, and I think there's gonna be a lot of people that are getting them when they shouldn't be. Not because they're trying to cheat, not at all. Because they may not understand any better. I've said this a lot. I think there's hundreds of thousands of people across Canada that, that are actually getting it when they shouldn't be. And at some point, there may be uh, some sort of reconciliation where they're going to have to pay it back. Yeah, I think we talked about that in past shows. And there, of course, there's some people that are kind of dipping where they shouldn't be dipping, but that's why they did it through the CRA. So you are eventually going to have to pay the piper sometime. It's going to come down the pike, right? You're going to have to, and no one knows exactly when that's going to be, but it's going to happen. Yeah. So I would be very weary uh, to spend money that you're not supposed to be having in the first place. Good call. 604-280-9898 is the, uh, the way to go. Roberta, thank you for, uh, for calling in. Good afternoon. Oh, hi. Um, this is also about the CERB and, and the sure. 14 weeks. I'm curious what will happen for single parents, and not just single parents, but um, widowed parents who are caring for children and their 14 weeks runs out uh, um, as of July 4th, who are caring for kids that can't go into daycare, etc. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because right now you can get the CRB. Well, it's possible that the government may allow uh, employees to go on EI at that point if, if you otherwise would qualify for EI. Uh, and that, that I think, is kind of the, the natural way to go about it. Uh, but hopefully, you know, by the time, you know, July when the, the payments kind of run out, maybe by then uh, daycares are reopening, et cetera. Maybe it's, 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 it's a better situation. But I think EI may be the best way to go about it. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank okay. you, Roberta. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time. You want to call in or you want to send an email, actually, as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But here and now, the phone calls are the quickest way to go for sure. Matthew, thanks for uh, for standing by. Good evening. How are you? Great. How's it going today? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, so um, I was in uh, temporary laid off back in April, and... The, I have just now, our company was accepted on the wage subsidy program. 
so from what I understand is I will be retroactively paid back to the day I was laid off, and therefore I understand that I have to pay back all my CERB payments, um, including the provincial uh, one-time payment. Um, so my question is, I just want to know if being part of the wage subsidy program, does that change my status of my temporary layoff? And I know you were mentioning previously about the 16 weeks um, being a temporary layoff period. So I just wanted some clarification on that, if I could. Yeah, for sure. So uh, no, if, if you're being paid to essentially to sit at home, if you know what I mean, then, then you're, you're not uh, considered on a layoff because you are actually paid. Now, it's not a given. It's not a given that your employer is going to pay you uh, just because they qualified for the uh, for the subsidy. If they said that they would, that's great. But it's not a given because they actually have to pay tax on that money. So a lot of employers are saying, wait a second, we're going to pay tax just to give the money to the employee to sit at home and, and not work. So it's not a given. If your employer said that's fine, uh, but you're not considered on a layoff if you're, you're if you're getting your compensation from uh, from the wage subsidy from your employer. That's not considered on layoff. Now, does that change if I'm only, because the way that they are doing it is they're only paying us the 75% of right. what they're receiving. I get no additional amount. They're not topping every anything up. So, so what that means is, I, is I, I, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, so I'm just essentially sitting at home because there is no physical work for me to right. do, but they, they were accepted, yeah. So all that means is that because you're essentially now taking a 25% pay cut, you have a right to treat that pay cut as a constructive dismissal. You don't actually have to accept it. You can say, I'm going to leave and require you to pay me severance. So the option is to take the money and then continue on as you are or to treat that as a termination. Either way, that's your right and you can choose whichever makes sense to you. Perfect. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Matthew, appreciate uh, your time as well. Going to let you go and move on to a uh, short break here, and then we're right back at it. Plenty of time for you to uh, make that phone call, like we've uh, like we've heard so far. It's a it's a smart thing to do. Six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. You want to reach out after the show, by the way, to get a hold of Lior and the team. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address, and the number is six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three. Our talk about the independent contractor continues. Does it matter? From that stance, if your employer is not deducting taxes, does that change the formula at all? It doesn't at all. All that means is now we have another illegal move here, which is not to <laughs> deduct taxes when they're supposed to. So so two wrongs don't make it right, of course. So no, if an employer is not deducting taxes when it should be deducting taxes, that doesn't mean, well, because they're doing that now, I'm not uh, an employee or not, not a contractor. So... An employer should be deducting taxes if you're an employee. If they misclassify you, the employer may think, okay, I guess they're a contractor, so I'm not going to deduct taxes. That's wrong. It doesn't matter. Because think about it. If it mattered, well, no one would just deduct taxes, and then all of a sudden you magically become an independent contractor. It doesn't work that way. So how you pay your taxes or whether the company deducts taxes has nothing to do with whether or not in the eyes of the law you should be considered to be an employee. What if you incorporate or if you have your own company? How about that? No, it doesn't matter. It's very easy to incorporate, right? You pay a fee, yeah. you, you file some papers, magically now you can be John Inc. Well, the fact that you, you have your own company doesn't change the nature of your relationship with the company that you work for. No, it doesn't matter at all. You can have your own company and that company could be billing someone else for services. But the question really is, 
Are you working? Do you have a job? If you have a job, you're an employee. If you have a boss, you're an employee. If you have a, a steady income from a, a particular source, you are an employee. And it doesn't matter if you do that through a company. It doesn't matter how you pay your taxes. It doesn't matter what you signed. The law makes the determination that if you look like an employee and act like an employee, hey, guess what? You're an employee. You want to ask questions about this or anything else? Phone line's still open. Bring it on. 604-280-9898 is the number this afternoon. You know, sometimes you get, uh, you know, a, a person or an employee, I guess, use that in quotations, and the employer saying, hey, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'm an independent contractor. Why don't we agree on that? They handshake on it. So why would the law interfere? Why should the law interfere if both the company and the individual agree that the person's not an employee, if they're both cool with it? Yeah, I get that question often, especially from employers. That, listen, if, if I say he's an employee and he says he's a, sorry, if I say he's a contract and he says he's a contract, we've agreed to it, we're, we're both happy with it, why, yeah. why can someone say otherwise? Well, the problem is that if all it took is an agreement, then, okay, as I said before, anyone can be an independent contractor, right? I have, uh, you know, about 40 administrative assistants that work at my law firm. Well, if I just called them an independent contractor and they agreed to be independent contractors, that doesn't matter. That doesn't make them that because they work at my firms. They're employees of my firm. They come in every day at nine. They leave every day at five. And that doesn't change the relationship, right? Because if it was as simple as that, then there would be no more employees. There would be no more employment law because people could just call themselves something else. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? Because of that, the law says, well, it's very nice that you want to be a contractor or, or whatnot, but you don't have a say in this. The law is going to make that decision for you, and you may want to be a contractor, but you are if you are really an employee, then you've misclassified yourself. And it's also a potential concern here if, if it's easy for the company to say, well, we need you to be a contractor. Most people are going to agree, but they may allow the the company to avoid paying overtime and vacation pay and holiday pay and severance. So we don't want that. We don't want people to give up their legal rights. That's why the law intervenes and the law determines if you're an employee or an independent contractor. So how often would you say or is it to see an employee that is mischaracterized or misclassified as an independent contractor? I I, I can tell you that in probably nine out of 10 matters when someone comes to me and says, I'm not sure if I'm an employee or a contractor, they really are employees. And usually I get those calls when that person has been let go. Uh, and they thought they were a contract and they were let go and they realized, holy cow, I worked for this company for 10 years. They let me go and they're not paying me any severance because they're saying I'm an independent contractor. So they call me and they want to know, okay, do I get severance? Am I really an independent contractor? And as I said, probably nine out of 10 times when I see that, the person is really an employee. And I've seen situations where someone has been doing this for years and years. And guess what? An independent contractor doesn't work for years and years. Usually an independent contractor is someone that's there for a specific period of time, for a particular project or you know, for a, a particular event, depending on the job. So yeah, it, it's very, very common. Uh, we've had many calls even on the show, people calling and describing their situations and they're really our employees. And by the way, a very nice, easy, fast way for you to find out for yourself if you're an employee or an independent contractor, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a tool there that allows you to find out which of the two you are. And if you find out that you're an employee, at least you know and you need to understand that maybe if you're let go, you should be getting your severance. Uh, check it out for yourself. 
And if you're still confused, uh, we're breaking it down right here, 604-280-9898. You know, you just realize that you are an employee, not an independent contractor. You've been listening to the show, starting to sweat a little bit. Uh, (laughs) What do you do now? Well, you know, you have to kind of make a decision, really. So do you want to continue as you are right now? And, And you can... Uh, or do you want to try to do something about it right now? So, uh, or, or do you wait till, till later? If you want to do something about it right now, your probably best bet is uh, if you're owed overtime because you haven't gotten paid overtime or you're owed vacation because you haven't gotten paid, is you can file a complaint with the Employment Standards Branch and to say that you've been misclassified and they'll come in and check things out. And if they agree that you've been misclassified, they'll, they'll order the employer to pay you the things that they should have paid you. So you can deal with it that way. Uh, a lot of individuals say, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. And obviously, that's your choice. If you decide not to rock the boat, keep in mind, if and when the relationship with the company ends, well, at that point, you have to have to get your severance. So at that point, it's it's definitely time to get it. And potentially from that point, we can also go back two years to get your vacation pay and overtime and holiday pay, etc. So you can deal with it right now and deal with the misclassific- misclassification right now while you're still working. You do that through the Employment Standards Branch or you deal with it when they let you go, when the relationship comes to an end. And that's when you reach out to me and I can help you get both severance and also two years worth of overtime and vacation pay, etc. So someone may be listening to the last point saying, okay, so wait a minute, an independent contractor does get severance? Well, independent contract gets severance only because they've been misclassified. So if you're a true independent contractor, no, you don't get severance. So like I said, my plumber example, if I decide to stop using my plumber because I want to hire another plumber, I don't have to pay this plumber severance because I'm not going to use him because he's not my employee. He's an independent contractor. But if I have someone that works for me, you know, my uh, my administrative assistant, if I decide to let her go, uh, I have to pay her severance, even if I've misclassified her all these years as an independent contractor. So it doesn't matter what you are uh, or what you believe that you are. It matters what the law says that you are. So if you're truly and for real an independent contractor, yeah, no severance. If you've been misclassified as an independent contractor, but you really are an employee, you get your full severance. And John, that could be as much as two years pay. Is it just cut and dry? Is there some sort of middle ground or another category between the two? So we talked about employees. Talked about independent contractors. Hopefully by now we understand which is which. There is a middle uh, category. So middle category is what we call a dependent contractor. A dependent contractor is someone that's not an employee, right? Because they're in business for themselves. Clearly they're, they're not an employee, but they have one person or one company, one customer that they, uh, they work for and that's their main customer and they're financially dependent on that customer. They may have three or four or five, but one is kind of their big one, their main one. If you have an, uh, that position and you're financially dependent on that one customer, you're a dependent contractor. And the reason that's important is this. You don't get overtime or vacation pay if you're a dependent contractor, but you do get severance. So if you're in that in-between category, a dependent contractor and the, that one big client that you had that says, sorry, we're not going to work with you anymore, they would still have to pay you severance because you're financially dependent on them and, and you need some ability to replace them. So you may get severance even if you're not an employee. Again, so, so important to get that advice. If you're not 110% sure that you're an independent contractor, if you are let go, you have to reach out. Let's have that talk and figure out what you're owed. 
couple more talking points when it comes to the independent contractor after a short break, and we'll move on to some emails and uh, some phone calls. We still have some time for you to uh, have your say, 604-280-9898, Employment Law Show, CKNW. Yeah, if you want to slide in a phone call in our last uh, remaining few minutes here, this would be the uh, the time to do it. 604-280-9898 is the number. Reaching out through email anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as mentioned a few times, super handy, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website available on whatever device you use is absolutely free. It is anonymous, and there's a wealth of information when it comes to employment law at your fingertips. It really is like having an employment lawyer with you. At uh, all times. A couple last points here on the independent contractor chat. If everybody's learned so far, that's good. You mentioned the dependent contractor, kind of the middle ground who, if they have a client of substantial size, can be rewarded severance if that client lets them go. Is there a threshold, 10% of their income, 50, 70? Where, where does it lie for that one big client? You know, you, it does vary. My, in my mind, that threshold is about 50%. If you get half your right. income from one individual one company then then you're considered a dependent contractor because essentially if they let you go you're losing half your income that's a massive massive hit and because it's such a massive hit the loss is wait a second you know we need to give you a bit of a cushion we need to allow you some time to replace that income and we do that by giving you severance so that's why if you're making about half or so uh, of your income from one customer then uh, you're not an employee but you're getting half your income or more they let you go. They have to pay you severance pretty much like you are an employee. And that could be, as I said earlier, as much as two years pay. So you've just lost your job. You're not sure now still if you're an independent contractor or an employee. What uh, what do you do? What's the next step? Well, the easiest, best thing is just to give me a call. Let's talk about it. You know, Probably the, the, the fastest way to get to the bottom of what you really are and what you're really owed just give me a call, send me an email, let's have that chat, let's assess your situation and you can leave that conversation knowing you know, what you're owed, what you are and what to do. Yeah. Or if you don't want to have that chat, you want to get some more information even before we speak, not a problem. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca, a tool there that allows you to find out if you're an employee or a contractor. It literally takes seconds to do. You answer about four questions or so and that's it. It says, yes, you're an employee or yes, you're an independent contractor. Easy to use, free, anonymous. Uh, there's no strings attached to it. It's just there for your information. And if you find out that you're an employee and if you want to reach out, there's a contact button. You can contact me and, and we'll take it from there. Let's uh, let's slide over to a couple of emails. Uh, I think it would be a good time to do that. Christine is up first. Says, hey, guys, my employer has relocated our office two-hour drive away. I was told that I can get a ride with a colleague so that I wouldn't have to drive if I don't want to. Do I have to accept this move? No, she does not have to accept. Obviously, an extra two hours, uh, gosh, two hours, can you imagine extra each day? Uh, that's yeah. a huge, massive change and is a, is a huge change. And just like your employer can't change the terms of your employment by giving you a pay cut or changing your days of work, changing the location of work to that extent also is not something your employer is allowed to do, meaning if they're doing that, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal and get your severance. The fact that they'll say you can get a ride with a colleague doesn't matter. You still have to spend that time of your day, an extra few hours each day commuting back and forth to work. No. So you can choose to accept this and continue working. Obviously, that's your call, Christina. 
or you can choose to treat that as a termination and get your full severance. Generally, to me, that threshold is an extra hour. If your employer relocates and that means an extra hour a day of commuting more than you had before, now we're in constructive dismissal territory. Of course, the decision is always that of the individual as to whether they want to continue working or treat that as a constructive dismissal. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, though, you mentioned it as a as a time quotient because depending on whether you drive or got to take three buses, an extra hour could be four kilometers or it could be 40 kilometers. So it really is a time difference, isn't it? Right, exactly. It's about time. It's not about distance, right? I, I've yeah. spoken with many people that used to walk to work, uh, you know, and because that's how easy it was for them and they don't even own a car and now their employers relocated 12 kilometers but now they have to take two buses and so you know what i mean whereas 12 kilometers for some other people may not be a big deal so the question is how does it impact you not how does it impact someone else if it impacts you to the extent that now you're spending more than an hour uh than you had to before now we're, we're in the constructive dismissal territory which means you have that option to get your severance Rebecca's up next. Again, it's help at employmentlawyer.ca. Anytime Rebecca reaches out, says, I do all bookkeeping and invoicing from my employer. The company is not doing well, and my boss has told me to change invoices so that we can bill clients for work that was never actually done. Who's this guy? Silvio Dante says, uh, I'm very uncomfortable (laughs) with this. What can I do? Yeah, no kidding. She's she's uncomfortable with this. Well, let's make it very, very clear. This is for her and for anyone. Uh, if your employer asks you to do something that's illegal, and this is essentially fraud, right? Uh, don't do it, no matter what, ever. Nothing is worth committing fraud. Nothing is worth doing something illegal uh, and, and potentially getting to legal trouble over nothing, no matter what, no job ever. So if your employer asks you to do something illegal, uh, the answer should always be, no, I am not doing that. But it's it's more than that. Just by asking you to do something like this, to me, the relationship between employer and employee has now essentially been, you know, exploded. It's now deteriorated. How do I trust this employer when I know that they're willing to do these things and they're asking me to do something that's illegal? So to me, honestly, just by being asked to do something that's illegal, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal because you're going to be uncomfortable going to work potentially now with that employer. So not only should you say no, and you must say no to do something illegal, you could potentially ask or or treat that request, that demand, if you will, as a termination, as a constructive dismissal. No one should have to work in a situation where they're being told to do something that's illegal. I want to get to Stan's email. Stan says, uh, myself and six other colleagues have just been let go because of cost-cutting. We all got two weeks' pay for each year of service. Is that what the law is? Stan, well, I, I take it he's not a, a regular listener because I, I no. hope our regular listeners would know the answer and they're jumping out of their chair right now saying, what are you talking about? Of course it's not standard. Of course it's not the law. So no, not even close. Uh, depending on age, position, and length of employment, it could be 5, 10, 20 times that. And and I think he said it was six years, John? Yeah. Yep, six years six of employment. Yep. How many years of employment? Uh, did, did he say years, or did he said six colleagues? Anyway, he says they, I think they've all done different. Uh, I say I got but, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, depending on on his age, position, length of employment, it could be 
three months. It could be six months. It can even be 24 months. And by the way, yeah. even if, if uh, he and his colleagues have only worked there for a short period of time, their, their severance is likely going to be measured in months, not weeks. So, no, it's not standard. It, it's a wrongful dismissal. And if you want to know exactly, Stan, how much you're owed, just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a severance calculator tool there that allows you to find out, again, in seconds and anonymously how much you are yeah. owed. But just because you've been offered something doesn't mean that's the right amount. In fact, it probably means it's not the right amount because in 90% of cases, the severance offered is a lot less than what's owed. That's why we're here doing this show, to advise and inform people of that, of that information. We'll uh, wrap it up with Chip, and Chip says, I've been told to, uh, by my employer that due to COVID, there you go, I have to start working from home even though I have my own office. I don't have the space to work at home. What are my options? You know, it's interesting because uh, we, we've seen or I've seen a lot of situations where employees are asked or, or employees ask to work at home and the employer says, I uh, know we can't have you do that. Well, I guess Chip says it's the other way around where yeah. his employer wants him to work from home. So this is actually not complicated from a legal standpoint. Obviously, if you work in an office and now your employer says you have to work from home, COVID or not COVID, it's a big change to the terms of employment. An employer doesn't have a right to change terms of employment in such a significant way. Just like if you are always working at home and now your employer wants you to come to the office, that's a big change. Well, it goes the other way around. If you were working in the office, your employer wants you to work from home, you don't have to agree to it, uh, especially if you don't have the facilities, the, the space, the internet, whatever it is to actually work from home. So you can tell your employer no, and you can't be disciplined for it. If ultimately the company wants to part ways with you, they're going to have to pay you your full severance. It's not cause for dismissal. So even being told to work from home, that in and of itself is a change. That in itself can absolutely be a constructive dismissal. And that is where we are going to wrap it up for another afternoon. Appreciate all of your time, your phone calls, and tuning in each week. Hopefully you've uh, you've learned lots. And uh, to carry on after this, get a hold of Lior and a member of the crew. Really simple, 604-283-3123. That's the number again, 604-283-3123, the email address we use. And you can use help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we've mentioned it several times during the show. And it uh, took some time to put together, but it's been rolling now for, I guess, close to a year and thousands of people have checked it out absolutely free and anonymous for that matter pocketemploymentlawyer.ca it's got everything in there from the severance pay calculator whether you're an independent contractor it's got a bit on disability lots it's really really robust so you can use that anytime just use it turn off your browser nobody knows you're there or there is a contact button at the top right again pocketemploymentlawyer.ca thanks for tuning in enjoy the uh, remainder of your weekend and we'll catch you next time on employment law show on cknw The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.